Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Good Book Study. My name is Lynette, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, March 18th, 2020. We are reading from the book book, and we are at page 97, the fourth paragraph, for the type of alcoholic who is able and willing. And we will be reading and commenting on that one paragraph only. Today's readers are the 12 steps, Lou B, 12 traditions, Esther F, and readers of the text, Leon B, Tina S, and Barbara E. The share ID for Tuesday, March the 17th, the 7 a.m. meeting, 14265, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 14269. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lou B. to read the 12 steps. Please go ahead, Lou. Good morning. I'm Lou B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Texas. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Lou B. And Esther F. will read the twelve traditions. Please go ahead, Esther. Thank you. Uh, Hi, this is Esther F., a compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio, the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, 
A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communications. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 97, the fourth paragraph, for the type of alcoholic who is able and willing. And Leon B., would you read for us, please? Yes, good morning. This is Leon B., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Simpsonville, South Carolina. For the type of alcoholic, who is able and willing to get well, little charity in the ordinary sense of the word is needed or wanted. The men who cry for the for money and shelter before conquering alcohol are on the wrong track. Yet we do go to great extremes to provide each other with these very things when such action is warranted. This may seem inconsistent, but we think it is not. Um, the part of this that I um, sort of focused on was the very first um, sentence for the type of alcoholic who is able and willing to get well. Little charity in the ordinary sense of the word is needed or wanted. And um, for some reason, two things came up for me. One was when it comes to sponsoring, you know, I was very concerned um, about my ability to to do this. I was I was very afraid. I was very afraid I would I would mess someone up, um, and I had a I had a lot of wise people, to include my sponsor, tell me that you know if, if someone's ready, 
there's very little that you can do to to mess them up. So um, I think about this term, you know, this this um, able and willing. So just like it says above, that there is a type that is able and willing. So there was little, there's little that we need to do to to help someone that's able and willing if they're in this position. If they're, this sounds like a position, you know. Um, the other thing, so so as someone is getting ready to go through these steps, and I'm talking to the person that's you know, getting ready to to make this decision, or they're on the fence, you know, don't 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 have any doubt. You, you have to be in this position of being able and willing, you know. And then if, if you're about to sponsor, you should keep in mind that there's little that you need to provide for a person that is in this position that is able and willing, um, other than the guidance that was provided for you. Um, and that was all that I, that I got. Um, that first sentence seemed to jump out the most at me. Um, you're interested to hear what everyone else has to say. So, and I'll pass. Thank you, Leon B. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last few days to take this opportunity. Please say your name just once as it helps me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Kim Lisa G. Okay, I've got Kim G and Lisa B. Amy G. Okay, I've got Kim G, Lisa B, Amy G, Pedro B. Who else was there, please? Maureen, Chicago. Okay, and I can take one more. Becca R. Perfect. Thank you, everybody. I have our lineup. Kim G, Lisa B, Amy G, Pedro B, Maureen C, and Becca R. Good morning, Kim. Please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I've been recovered since January 2011. I'm going to use uh, Leon's share as actually a springboard, you know, for the type of alcoholic who is able and willing to get well. You know, um, I want to look at this from the sponsee point of view. It's for people out there that are struggling or in the steps. Ask yourself, are you the type of alcoholic who is able and willing to get well? You know, there's two sayings that I, that I like that I always think of this, is that your actions are so loud, I cannot hear a word that you're saying. And also another person that had shared, recovery began when she went from yeah, but to yes, man. So this is all about, not as much about the sponsor, but about the sponsee. What are you willing? I don't believe a single thing a sponsee says. What I look for is what their actions are. Now, me personally, I have requirements. So I require they call two recovered people a day. And I look at, are they trying to negotiate it? Are they trying to tell me, well, do text counts? Do voicemail counts? You know, I I find the people that do the best are people who go beyond what I ask them to do and often have a buddy that's going through the steps at the same time so they can have these discussions. I personally require listening to Vision for You just 20, 30 minutes a day. and those people that are trying to say, well, I only had 15 versus the people that are calling me and saying, oh, my God, can you send me another podcast? I want to hear some more. And the people that tell me the reasons that they can't do what I'm asking them versus how they can do what I'm asking them. You know, um, they talk here about the money and shelter in the book. 
what I find because I mostly work with women is they tell me why their kids and their jobs and their family have to be in place before they do the work. So I just want to give you some examples of some sponsees that I've had that show me that when they're able and willing. I had a sponsee, my dear Chelsea, who's passed now, who I was taking through the, we had an appointment to go through Bill's story, and she called me all apologetically because she couldn't wait to our next appointment. So she went through half of Bill's story, but well, she'll go over it again. And I said, no, this is your recovery. Where did you end? We'll start at that page. Because her anxiousness told me how much she wanted to do this. You know, I had someone I work with from Australia. I said, this, I don't know the math of what time it is, but this is the time I have available. And I found out halfway through the steps, she changed her hours at work in order to be available. You know, I giggle sometimes when people call me and they interview me to tell me what I need to do in order to be their sponsor. I had a sponsor to tell me that I was, she wanted me to tell her that I loved her every time after the, our phone call. And I told her, listen, not only do I not love you, I don't even know you. I'm here to help you with these steps. That's my only purpose. So I know we often hear a lot, you know, recovery, recovery, recovery is, 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 uh, is Harlan's mantra. The book's mantra is action, action, action. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Lisa B., it's your turn, followed by Amy G. Please go ahead, Lisa. Good morning. My name is Lisa B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And I do spell my name L-E-S-A in case anyone wants to reach out. I wanted to share this from my perspective um, for the type of alcoholic who is able and willing to get well. And, you know, when I um, experienced my first out-of-control binge, um, my, I had my mother come over because it really scared me. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. But you know what? I knew to the core of my being I was screwed, that my life was never going to be the same, that this was going to be something that was on me forever, for the rest of my life. So I didn't have any hope. And I needed to hear recovered people, that this is a possibility that could happen for me. And that's, that's the thing I wanted to share on my experience of grabbing onto hope. You know, and when I talk to so many people now, as a recovered compulsive overeater, and I hear the hopelessness and the disease of alcoholism, of compulsive overeating, is interwoven on that hopelessness, and it really counts on the hopelessness. Like another fellow shares on this line, it wants me to keep kicking the can down the street another day and say, why bother? It's too hard. So my job as a recovered compulsive overeater is to try and share my own experience that there is hopeless. I mean, there is hope. And the whole problem for me was abstinence, was sobriety. I could get it, but I could never keep it. And I share that with them, and I try to offer them hope. But I love what was shared in the, with Kim G's message, and that's what I also have to remember. I can't do the work for them. I do go to great extremes to try and share my hope, but really and truly, it's their path. It's their journey, you know, and that's what I wanted to share. I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Amy G., it's your turn, followed by Pedro B. Please go ahead, Amy. Good morning. Thank you for your service. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater uh, from Maryland. It's interesting, you know, before I put my glasses on, I can sort of read some things, and I thought it said little clarity versus little charity in the ordinary sense of the word. 
And I just had to laugh because, as others have said, when the sponsee is ready, I mean, when I was ready, I, I didn't care if it was clarity. I didn't want clarity. I didn't want charity. I wanted instructions. Somebody tell me what it was that I needed to do because I couldn't do it. Everything I tried was killing me. I still could not stop from putting my binge foods in my mouth. So somebody, you, who have gone before, who have recovered, who knew how to do it, you know, it says on page 17, we have a common solution. There's no secret code, but I couldn't figure out what the instructions were. So I needed and desperately wanted someone to tell me what to do. And that kind of readiness is what I look for in a sponsee. And it also says in how it works, you know, at some of these steps we balked, we thought we could find her an easier, softer way. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, you want me to do what? Because I said some of those things. I was afraid. It wasn't because I didn't want to do it. It was because I was afraid. But yet, I was more afraid of relapse than I was of doing the fear of the unknown and what I considered literally the crazy things that you asked me to do, to make phone calls, to, to get a food plan, to figure out my abstinence, all of those things. But I didn't balk at that as saying, no, I just balked because I was afraid. But it was still go time for me. It was still give me the instructions, tell me what to do. I literally had to take those actions without thinking. For me, it was more about doing, as was said. It was about doing them anyways, just to do them anyways. And I also think that um, it may seem inconsistent, but we think it's not. You know, sometimes no matter how hard I try as a sponsor or how many parameters I set ahead about how I'm going to sponsor someone, you know, sometimes it's difficult to tell whether they are truly ready or not. And it is a process where I have to find that out. And sometimes that's difficult and it may seem inconsistent, but the reality is I'm still going to try with my heart and soul to be a good sponsor and do the best that I can. And sometimes people are not ready and I may not know that till we're in, till we're in it. And it's, but I'm still going to go out there and I'm still going to carry that message because I, that's what I do. That is what I'm called to do in this program is to be the best sponsor that I can. You know, I don't think, I think there's, we like to think we're two extremes. We could be the best sponsor or the worst sponsor, but if the person is truly ready, willing, and able, like this paragraph says, they'll get it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. Pedro B., it's your turn, followed by Maureen C. Please go ahead, Pedro. Good morning. Can you hear me? Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, Pedro, thank you. Please go ahead. Yes, thank you. Um, My name is Pedro B. I uh, live in uh, Fontana, California, and uh, I am working on day four today of my uh, uh, abstinence. Uh, And uh, and one more time, uh, trying to... uh, to do this program in a in a way that hopefully uh will work for me and uh thank you leon for uh, for sharing especially on this on this uh this uh what i need and and i feel in my heart that i have that today that i have this willingness uh to get well you know and and uh earlier on 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 uh one of the first things that uh, that was mentioned to me in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous is that uh, 
The essentials of recovery are self-honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. And I'm so grateful that uh, I feel this uh, self-honesty, this this idea that uh, uh, is going at a deeper level in my heart that uh, that I am a compulsive overeater, you know, because uh, I need to take this very personal. And, and I feel, I feel I need to do the commitment, the vow to not pick up these foods that that make me feel good and you know that just drive me to and and, and in my experience with with trying to to stay abstinent um the food always my mind always convinces me to go back to the food and i'm hoping this time um i can work this program like i never worked it before i have hope you know and uh, no matter what, uh, I might I plan to have an afternoon breakfast, and I plan to have an afternoon lunch today. I plan to have an afternoon dinner, no matter what happens. Make it the most important thing for me today, and and uh, uh, continue listening to you people that have the experience, strength, and hope that I need. And with that, I pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Pedro B. Maureen T., it's your turn, followed by Becca R. Please go ahead, Maureen. Press star one to unmute, Maureen. Okay, Becca R., are you ready? And we'll come back to Maureen. Hey, it's Becca R. from Kentucky, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Um, this uh, passage really stuck out to me, like many others have said. I, I can only think of my own experience. And, and I have the experience of asking for help when I wasn't ready. And then I have my most recent experience of asking for help, and I was willing to do whatever my sponsor told me to do. And... Um, and that's that's my experience, and that's what I share with people. Like, I don't know where you're at. Uh, I talked to a woman yesterday who who um, I could identify as one of my old experiences of like, yeah, I want the diet. I want to lose the weight. I don't want to be a compulsive eater. But, yeah, but um, my experience from the most recent time was I want what you have. I'm going to do what you did. Show me. And um, like like others have shared, you know, I just surrounded myself with program. You know, every opportunity I had, I threw those earbuds in. I just soaked it up like a sponge. And you know, in the first few days, it was, you know, it would it would get me meal to meal. I was so it was so foreign to eat just three meals a day and nothing in between. It was um, white knuckling it, as they might say in another program. But I would just feel that space with program, with calls, with podcasts, with recorded meetings, uh, with face-to-face meetings. Um, and I just jumped into what my sponsor had to offer, and I started doing the work. And I'm so grateful that I was so eager to be so busy because I can look back now and see, you know, any time coming in for me, like starting was never a problem. I came in with that 
you know, self-loathing and self-hatred from the night before, the weekend before, whatever the last binge was. Um, And I could hold it together for a few days, but my sponsor got me into this, not necessarily routine, but just, you know, she, she let me be my self guide. She's like, you do the work, let me know when you finish and then we'll move on. Um, And so, you know, my life at the time, I had a lot of time. I had time and, and I filled every bit of that time with program. And I'm so grateful I did. Um, some of you know, you know, when I got to step 11, a little bundle of joy was dropped out of nowhere and we adopted this baby overnight. And I can see God getting me through those steps and preparing me. Um, and then when I had the best excuse ever not to sponsor or not to go out and carry the message that I had been freely given. Um, I had others saying, yeah, this is when the rubber hits the road. This is when you really have to get to work. And uh, even though I had this new baby that my family had waited for for so long, uh, it was just a couple weeks and I started announcing myself as an available sponsor, you know, shaky and scared and feeling it. And thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Becca R. So for those of us who might have come on the line a little bit later, we are on page 97, the bottom paragraph, for the type of alcoholic who is able and willing. And I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last few days to please take this opportunity. So please say your name just once so I can hear everybody. Larry K. Tina S. Nessa R. Colleen M. Darlene H. Michelle O. Okay, let me tell you who I heard because I missed some people. We've got Maureen C., Larry K., Charles H., Nessa R., Michelle, and is there someone else? Darlene Okay, I heard Darlene. Darlene. Okay, and Chuck will get you on the next go round. So I have okay. Maureen C, Larry K, Charles H, Nessa R, Michelle, and Darlene H. Maureen, please go ahead. Hi, can you guys hear me? Yes, thank you. Okay. Um, I am uh, Maureen C in Chicago, and Maureen, are you on speakerphone? You're sounding, yeah, could you come off speaker if you are on speaker, please? Oh, now we've lost her completely. Yes, so I'm going to go, um, can you hear me now, guys? I'm so sorry. Yes, thank you. Please go ahead. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, so I'm um, Warren C. here in Chicago. Today is my fourth day, and uh, Leanne, thank you for uh, starting us out, and that sentence jumped out to me because I've been a... Uh, long time at this and and surrendering um being willing and able and and um so many this disease has has brought me to physical disabilities of now a heart and you know walking you guys all know it and um and i don't trust what i'm saying because uh, i've been here before and this is a deal i'm called writing and doing all those things um but i'm an addict to the core like you know um and then all i have is today all we have is today and thank you for all the names from all the years 
that are still on the line. And um, I just have to trust a finite God. You know, it's scary times. And and a kind of an awkward and silver lining to all this is like everything can stop now. So I can just focus on my recovery. And then, you know, I have, you know, I usually start tearing up when I'm abstinent. And, um, and I'm scared of all the outcomes, but on the same level, it's like, okay, I have a gift right now. And I am cherishing it because I'm, I'm doing the work and I'm letting God try to take care of everything. And my life is not so busy. So um, thank you all for being there. And please have an abstinent day. God bless. Bye. Thank you, Maureen C. Larry K., it's your turn, followed by Charles H. Please go ahead, Larry. Oh, thanks, Lynn. Uh, appreciate it uh, very much. I'm going to set my timer here. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd like to share right after that previous share because I know there's fears. You know, there is nothing is easy for the unwilling. And if you are willing to face the disease, and I'm hearing some background noise, but that's all right. Um, I accept it. Um, if you are unwilling to face the disease, to surrender to the solution, then, you know, forward progress is going to be impossible. I, I, I know that because I experienced that. And you know why? It, it's really simple because God's grace cannot chase down the unwilling. When I was unwilling, there was God's grace present, but it would not chase me down. I had to take action after action after action. And it, it's a critical, you know, critical to know, you know, the truth that willingness is only demonstrated one way through action. There's no decision that's consummated without action. There's no getting ready. That, that's that's a, a falsehood. There's no trying to be willing to put the food down, for example. There's no getting ready to work the steps. Just like the person previously, there's fear. Yes, there is. And we feel the fear and we do it anyway. Because that's how we're gonna, God's grace is going to chase us down. There are perhaps hundreds of people who last night, they made a decision to be on the line this morning. And you know what? We love them, but they're not here. <laughs> if you're listening to me, you made a decision and you demonstrated with action, Right? And some people are willing only to act when they're certain of the results. I remember that, that, you know, there, there's people that are, are, are weighing every possible scenario and they engage in deliberation and, and, and they're very, very careful. And this, this, this program is, is not for them. They're not doing it. We love them. They're wonderful people, but they're not doing it, Right. And, and perhaps they're looking for order and certainty in their lives, and we understand. But when you, you can't play it safe in this program. You cannot play it safe in this program. We have to, we, we, this program is, it just is. It's, it's action after action after action. And when you take the action, your willingness demonstrated by action, you will find the most beautiful recovery, the most beautiful trajectory of inner transformation you won't even believe it, but it's got to come by taking those actions. That's what we've heard. Grace cannot chase you down if you're not ready to act. With that, I pass. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you, Larry Kay. Charles H., it's your turn, followed by Nessa R. Please go ahead, Charles. Can you hear me? You probably can hear a train, too. Can you hear me, Lynn? It's not very good, Charles. 
Can you hear me now? That's good. Thank you. All right. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, if I don't pick it up, I ain't got to put it down, right? That sounds easy. It sounds stupid. It sounds simple. If I'm desperate, Boo Boo Kitty can sponsor me successfully. Um, like, you know, it, it, it sounds mean. You know, we're, we're here on page 96. We find it a waste of time, but it really is. It's real selfish. Um trying to trying to uh work with somebody that won't work with you um because you, you could be working on somebody and and, and destroying yourself at the same time because those are hidden resentments just like that construction you hear in the background um there's so many people that want it right only a few do it and it's not like we're taking shots at people it's not what it's not like it's just it is what it is. I don't care how bad I want it. Like sometimes I had to get badly mangled in order to get it, and then I then then I go back. You know what I'm saying? But uh, man, this thing is just it's just daily discipline, and it's just it's just desperation. I think willingness is overrated. I you know what? I ain't willing to go to work, but I got to. <laughs> I got an email from HR that I can't work from home. I got to be there. So. Just like with my recovery, sometimes I ain't willing to do it, but I got to do it because I, I need to do it. I want to do it, and then I do it. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Boo Boo. Thank you, Charles H. Nessa R. It's your turn, followed by Michelle. Please go ahead, Nessa. Hi. Good morning, Vision for you. This is Nessa R. Recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Before I, I say what I what I wanted to say regarding the paragraph of it, I just want to say that, um, you know, a lot of us uh, have no face-to-face meetings anymore because of the current situation. They have been closed down. And so what we did here in Toronto in our meeting, that is uh, pattern after, after vision for you on Monday night, is um, we switched it to the phone line and made it available to anybody who, who wanted to come. And so, um, you know, that, that's something that maybe people would want to consider starting uh, more phone meetings um, for the time me- being um, until we can return to the normal face-to-face meetings. Um, so uh, what I wanted to say, I wanted to talk about what does it mean to be able and willing. I personally think everybody is able. You know, it says in the big book, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. It seems like that everybody is able. And the only thing that has to be done to realize that ability is thoroughly follow our path. And that means entire abstinence um, as, a, as an initial starting point and then work the steps to the best of our ability as outlined in the big book. Um, and then with regards to willingness, so I, don't, I, I think that everybody's able, but not everybody is willing. And a fencing program taught me that willingness is not wanting to do something. Willingness means doing something even if I don't want to do it. And, and this is where a lot of us, um, um, and I speak to myself, fall through because um, we're not willing. Um, I personally wasn't willing to withstand the discomfort. It is uncomfortable to be abstinent when I am not recovered. And, you know, my mental obsession is going through. But I, you know, 
I got to be willing to withstand the discomfort. And let's face it, we, we addicts don't like discomfort. That's why we eat in the first place, you know, to drown down, to numb out all the uncomfortable feelings that we may face, you know, as we, as we go through life. But we got to be willing to withstand the discomfort. And then going through the steps um, may not be comfortable either. You know, some steps are particularly uncomfortable, step four and five and nine. Um, but uh, this is where willingness comes in, you know, to, to thoroughly follow their pa- the path uh, to get to that recovery. Um, we've got to grow up. We've got to be adults and realize that life sometimes is uncomfortable. But with the discomfort comes a great deal of growth, and it comes recovery, and it comes happiness joy and freedom like the one I'm experiencing now and then the discomfort is no more because we have a great source um, of even comfort which is God and a great way to deal with the vicissitudes of life through through the 12 steps Um, so um, I guess that's all I wanted to say and I pass thank you Nessa R Michelle it's your turn followed by Darlene H and could we have the initial of your last name please Michelle O is my name. Good morning. Thank you. So this is Michelle O in Detroit, uh, seeking abstinence, compulsive overeater. And this is my first meeting I've had in a very long time. I'm so grateful to you all for holding it down, for being here, for folks like me who are really grappling with that willingness piece. And so so thank you so much. What I wanted to share this morning, um, specific to the text, is about uh, that little charity in the ordinary sense of the word is needed or wanted. Um, the men who cry for money and shelter before conquering alcohol are on the wrong track. I personally identify with this sense of needing everything else to be in place in, in place first. You know, I, I struggle with economic insecurity. Um, even when I have money, I, I find that is an obsession. And it's quite easy to do everything else. But I heard someone share earlier about the yes, but... And uh, this to me strikes like, I think that it's written here because it seems rational. Oh, you should need shelter. You should need money. That makes sense that you might need that first. And this is reminding us that actually the first thing is the recovery and is the abstinence because as we know that once uh, the spiral can be stopped from that place, we can find uh, physical stability, financial stability um, more easily And so I think that also in in the context of the times we're in right now with a lot of uncertainty, uh, it's a really good reminder that I cannot wait for everything else to make sense and to be in place and to be orderly before I begin. Um, And so um, that's where I'm trying to bring my willingness today. With that, I pass. Thank you, Michelle O. And Darlene H., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Good morning, everybody. This is Darlene H. from Columbus, Georgia, gratefully recovered. Thank you for your service this morning. So one of the things that I've learned, I've been in and out of the rooms of the OA uh, for 20 years now, and one of the things is that the disease has its own timeline. You know, when I first came into this program, I was desperate. I was told, you have the gift, gift of desperation. And, you know, I was 
headed towards 300 pounds. I was very unhappy. I joined a group, and I had a whole list of things that I needed to do on a daily basis. And and I was willing because I wanted to lose the weight. And I did. I lost the weight, and I stayed skinny for over five years. But I never had that spiritual connection. So when life got hard, everything fell apart. I went back to the food. And I was in and out of the food for almost 10 years. And that was painful. And that was hard. And every time I thought, I'm ready, I would find another sponsor. And I'd get that extreme list. And I'd try. And I couldn't do it. And I couldn't do it. And then I just resigned myself to the fact that, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, that's from a person who's eating. And then when I got to a place where I knew I, I just had run out of options and life wasn't good and this is not the way I wanted to live, I started to listen to the Vision for You meetings. And little did I know that I started to listen to my future sponsor. Um, and, and that person had a message of hope, had a message that was not fluff. It was not demanding. It just was. And then I had the opportunity to meet that person and I got to see them in action and when we finally spoke, when I, when I was ready, uh, she gave me a, a list of reasonable things to do. Because by this time, I had had so many different experiences of people telling me <clears throat> what I had to do in order to stay abstinent, to stay skinny, not to get free, not to have freedom. And that's what I was seeking was freedom. And so... I think for me, it was a combination of both. There had to be a reasonable demand from a sponsor, something that I could discern to say, yes, this seems reasonable to me. This does not seem crazy. But on the same token, for me to say, yes, I can do this without question, and I'm going to listen, and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to try and do everything that's suggested here. Because the worst case scenario is I find out that it really doesn't work for me. The best case scenario was and is that I'm free from the bondage of food. And what a blessing that is. And so today Time, when please. I'm working, thank you, I'll wrap up. When I'm working with people and they can't do it, it's okay. I just tell them, you know, I wish you all the best. Please call me at any time and I'll be happy to talk to you. And with that, I pass. Have a good day. Thank you, Darlene H. So we are on page 97 in the big book, paragraph at the bottom of the page for the type of alcoholic who is able and willing. I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the past few days to take this opportunity. And who would like to share, please? Christina J. Russ M. Kelly. Russ M. Okay, let me tell you who I did here. I've got Chuck, Russ M, Kelly S, Christina J. Thank you, Michelle T. Let's stop there, please, because I wonder if we'll have time to get everybody. So I have Chuck, Russ M, Kelly S, Michelle T, and Christina J. Please go ahead, Chuck. Um, Good morning. I'm Chuck, a compulsive overeater. Uh, from New York. And uh, first, I'd like to thank everybody that's on here. It's a great service. Uh, Not being able to go to meetings is a huge deal for me. That's how I uh, 
get through my program. So this is a great substitute. Thank you. And thank you for putting it together. Um, I came in a little late, and I, I don't have the big book with me. I'm out in the woods, actually, because that's the only thing left to do around here. Um, but uh, we're talking about sponsorship, and I, my sponsor um, taught me a great deal. I, I didn't believe any of the uh, spiritual end of it or the emotional. I just wanted to lose weight. That was it. And so she just... Uh, asked me to do a few things and work the steps. After that, you know, pretty much I could work my food program the way I wanted. And, you know, I just stayed in touch. And it seemed to work. And I, with my sponsees, I do the same thing. I, you know, I, I, I don't know what they're willing to do. Uh, I tell them to act as if, as my sponsor did, and uh, just go with it. And after a while... Um, the food uh, is just not a problem, and it becomes uh, just a matter of spiritual work. And I, and I can tell you that without OA and the 12 steps and all the support, I don't know how I'd be going through all of this right now. Uh, you know, I've got personal issues besides uh, this crazy uh, virus thing. So uh, OA is a great support. And it's a great way to live my life. And that's all I try to give to my sponsees. And it's up to them to do it. It's their recovery, not mine. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. Russ M., it's your turn, followed by Kelly S. Please go ahead, Russ. Thank you, Lynn. Uh, good morning, everybody. Russ M., recovered compulsive overeater. So willing, willing and able, ready, willing and able, right? Um, I, I don't know. We, you hear willingness is overrated, and, you know, I was willing every time I put down the food in the past. I was willing until life, life jacked me up, until life obliterated me, until life bludgeoned me. And what happened was they were the best things that ever could happen to me. Me saying I'm, quote, willing and trying and falling and getting beat up and taking my will back because that put me in the most perfect spot desperation and then I had to act I had no other option I was trapped or I was dead and that's the thing that's the thing that I realized after 44 years of this disease killing me is that I was going to die I was going to die and look I'm not trying to judge anyone it's just you know I'm the big loveliest guy and all that BS but sometimes we love them to death and, you know, we got to be straight and help them, but we can't co-sign our baloney. This thing will kill you, and you got to pray for desperation to get out of it. And that gives you willingness and action. That's, that's like the soil for it, desperation. So, you know, that's, that's all I could say. I can't force any of my sponsees to do anything. I can just guide them and pray that they're desperate enough to follow through so they can be close to God and be free. And um, that's what happened with me. Because if I, I don't have these things, just like Chuck just said, I'm dead. I'm dead, especially in these times. Especially in these times. Love you guys. Have a beautiful day, and please be safe. Thank you, Russ M. Kelly EYS, it's your turn, followed by Michelle T. Please go ahead, Kelly. 
Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, friends. Um, so glad to be on the line. This uh, paragraph just so spoke to me because it just reminds me of my um, story. Because I've been around these rooms, you guys know, for 30-something years. It took me 32 years. I just I just recovered, just celebrated five years this month. Um, and it was desperation. And I don't know what made it different, but I know I listened to you guys every day for two years and wasn't ready to do the work. People call me all the time and they're like, what was different? What was different? You know, I don't know other than the fact that I remember waking up that morning in such fear. It was no longer about the food. I wasn't even at my top weight. I was 50 pounds from my top weight. Uh, but I just didn't want to live like that anymore. And I remember thinking to myself, I will do whatever they effing tell me to do. That's what I thought. So it wasn't like, I'm going to do the work, right? So I started doing the work. And I just want to share this, not in the place of self-righteousness and ego, but, you know, here's the deal, guys. I work 12-hour shifts. I'm in the medical field, and I'm on the front line, front line of this crazy right now. And I don't make excuses. I can't. You know why? My disease was killing me. I was 125 pounds overweight, binging and purging. I have been 20 pounds underweight. I found time for my disease no matter what. I work a very structured and disciplined program because that's what I need to do. So every day, regardless of what's going on in my life or anywhere, I make at least three outreach calls. I have a network of people today I've never had. You know, I call my sponsor every day. I sponsor every day. I weigh and measure my food every day. You know, I lean into these steps. I get up and I do prayer and meditation every morning. Why? I don't have time not to do that. People are like, how do you do this right now? We're working balls to the wall. Because I'll tell you what, I would have figured it out how to eat. I always did. I'm 57. I have a history. I know how to figure it out, you guys. Maybe there's a, a rationing on food. I found out there's not a rationing on fruits and vegetables. So I'm sure I could have found all the crap I wanted to. And I would have found the time. I would have left a 12-hour shift. I would have stopped. I would have binged and purged. I can't afford not to. I was desperate. So there was no more yes buts for me. I spent 30 years yes butting in these rooms. It doesn't work. When you get desperate, there's no more excuses. And I'm going to tell you what, guess what? It works. My mom has 40 something years of sobriety in AA. She used to tell me, Kelly, you work this program like they tell you to work it. And then you tell me it doesn't work. Cause I used to whine. It doesn't work for me, mom. Guess what? It works, but I have to do the work every single day. And the irony is I get the freedom. I get all the stuff. I get all the promises. These steps tell me. If I do it, I actually have more freedom today than I ever had, even though I work a very structured and disciplined program. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you, Kelly. Yes. Michelle T., it's your turn, followed by Christina J. Please go ahead, Michelle. Hey, this is Michelle T. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to pass because I'm at work and I'm going to get caught. Have a great day and thank thank you you for your service. Bye. Thank you. Christina J., it's your turn. Good morning. Christina J., State of Washington here. Uh, uh, Yeah, so what made me willing and able? Uh, First of all, I'm still recovering from January 21st, a debacle. You know, I think back to when I was dieting. What made me willing and able to go to any length on those diets? I mean, I did starvation routines. I put my body in danger with uh, chemical pills and, you know, all kinds of stuff. I would go to any length for that diet. 
And when we're young, we have dreams. I mean, I had huge dreams. But what happens when you find out what you got to do with the dream? you got to make the dream happen. You have the dream, you dream about it, you fantasize, and then you have to go to your room and work on stuff. you got to sit down. Nobody's there to cheer you on, really, and you got to do the work. It gets down to the reality. And what brought me to that reality of being able and willing? Like many have shared, I was definitely able. I mean, I, I think everybody's able. Even blind people are able. Um, but what brought me to that willingness? First of all, when I was younger, it was I hated being fat. I hated. I mean, I was horrified at five pounds. But as I got older, um, and the disease got worse, fear brought me to willingness. The food, yeah, the food drives the fear because I wake up at night going, I can't control this thing. I'm scared to death. And then what happens when I jump in and I start working with a sponsor and I'm doing all the things she wants me to do, and then my ego jumps in a little bit and says, hey, I'm doing great. I don't have to work any, you know, as hard today. And slowly but surely, I'm barely doing the work. I'm barely doing the work. And then all kinds of stuff comes in my head that I haven't dealt with yet because I haven't gone very far in the program to learn that the irritable, restless discontent of my character defects is what's really the root of all this. I think it's just about the food, but it's the fear. And I'm restless and irritable, and I don't know why. What, I'm, I got the food down. What's wrong? So as I've gone through program and I've <clears throat> gotten to the point where it's not the fear of the food anymore, it's not the fear of the fat anymore. It's the fear of the fact that I am messed up. I, I, I have all these character defects that I need to work on and give to God so that I can live happy, joyous, and free in the sunlight of the Spirit. Today I'm willing because I want to change. I want to change. I, I want to be free of the food like some of you all talk about. I don't want that food calling to me, you know. I, I, like Harden says, I don't want the food. That's just a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful gift not to be driven crazy by that. And what what takes us to that point or what's taking me to that point is the willingness to keep going because I want to get rid of the things I don't like about my. I've discovered these things I don't like about myself. They're not healthy. They're, I mean, I think some of them are flat right down evil. You know, judgment is evil. Jealousy is evil for me. They drive me absolutely nuts. So what Fine. made me willing? Thank you. What made me willing? It's a fear of not being a decent human being and, and, and being stuck in this food forever. So thank you for letting me share our pass. Thank you, Christina J. And thank you to everyone who shared and to our wonderful Wednesday workforce. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Wednesday, March 18th, the 7 a.m. meeting, is 14275. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Tina S., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thanks so much, Lynn. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
see to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.